out there and welcome back once again to another episode of the Risk Cheese Radio Podcast, your home for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I am your host, Brodiki. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Schmidt. Schmidt, what's up, bud? Not too much, man. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. I had a, a good week. Like I said, I finished up work. I'm in a good frame of mind. I actually got to catch up on some sleep, hang out with the kids a little. Made it out to Red Bar last night. I guess I'm just doing that now. So that, that's neat. That's a whole little thing in itself. But, uh, you know, saw some cool watches. There was a, a Vacheron Perpetual floating around the room somewhere. I didn't get my hands on it, but okay, still All pretty right. cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just nice to be graced by its presence, right? Just yeah. Feel it in the room. I heard the buzz. It was, you know, palpable. <laughs> and I just I was like, ah, I don't have to see it. I know what it looks like. It's fine. I don't want to. I know I'll hold it and break it. And then that'll be the end of that. So. <laughs> so how many uh, how many people were uh, were with you? Dude, a good uh, amount. It was a good turnout. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, funny, really funny story. So this is I, I'm. You know, I this is not my regular thing. This is like my my first time actually going, and um, so it's at this place, and it it's it's attached to like a hotel, and then there's like an eatery, and I assumed it was at the eatery because that's where the name of the place is on. So I was like, okay, I'm looking around. I was like, I don't see anybody. Yeah, and then I hear these guys walking by, and they go, yeah, there's a bar downstairs. It's pretty packed, but it uh, looks like a total sausage fest. I go, ah, oh, watch meetup, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. It was great. It was I was like a total sausage fest. I was laughing so hard. Actually, to be honest, the ratio is pretty good. If I could if I could be real for a minute. Yeah? Yeah. Re- for for a watch meetup, I would think that's a pretty decent ratio. What, what was there last night? <laughs> Oh my god, though, but that's that's so funny. But that's so true. That's that's so so true of a watch meetup. Yeah, it's a big old sausage fest. So, ladies out there listening to the pod, yeah, get out there, get out there, go go out there, go just just join your husband on his wild charades of nonsense and just go. It's fun. It is fun. Uh, I saw some cool stuff, some some older stuff, an old Tiso. I saw the um, Speedy Fifty Seven was really cool in person. I love really? that watch. Dude, the sandwich dial on it is really, really good. I love that. I gotta watch. say. And and the proportions are so much better than than the old version. It's so much thinner. The manual wind is nice. The movement is fully exposed. Like it's it's a very good looking watch for sure. Yeah, and I, I liked them a lot when they came out, and I think that just like affirmed it for me. I would really love to see the different colors up close. Obviously, this was kind of just the uh standard version. Yeah, the OG, the black. But uh, it looked good. Looked really good. I saw the Zodiac meteorite dial, also pretty cool. That one was sick, and it's it's a it's a great PVD, right? Like the case and bracelet. I believe, yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. Really the whole watch is kind of like grayed over, but it's it 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 looks good. Like, I mean, you're getting meteorite in a pretty affordable price point, and then you're also getting like a neat little. It's a little bit sterile, but it, it works. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, it's supposed to be a stealthy type of watch, you know. Like it's. Uh... But the photos that you sent to our group chat uh, earlier were were really really nice looking. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, a couple other things. Uh, a, a Breguet Type Twenty, nice, right? Like kind of something you don't see every day. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of rare. Yeah, so that was cool. And uh, shout out to the homie Steve. Steve actually stopped me. Said how much. Told us how much he uh, he he was enjoying the pod. So just wanted to say hi to him. He spotted nice, my. Steve. My sixty one oh five Seiko. That was what I wore. 
the uh, vintage slim case Willard. So he spotted that off the wrist and it was like, yo, I just want to tell you how much I like the spot. I was like, oh, thanks. Like, <laughs> no, it's cool though. Really like that. That's really appreciated. Like we not, I'm not trying to say we like to, you know, have the, the ego fluffed or anything, but just knowing people are out there enjoying it. We, we like to hear it and get feedback of all kinds. It's not just that, but you know, thanks for, thanks for chipping in. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for hanging with us. Yes. As always, you know, we, we 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 always say it we say it a lot but you know for us it doesn't ever get old to to admit it so thank you for for hanging with us for sure yeah so that was neat um we definitely got some interesting news this week a lot of new releases again for way one. more way more than i would have thought honestly like, i like, i don't know if way people, more i don't know if people are just trying to get ahead of this and get their money in early you know, not knowing kind of what the economic situation is going to be going forward, or if they're just trying to beat. But I, you know, I don't remember this what. much, this many drops. I, it's a, it's unprecedented for me. I, I, I legit, I was trying to think about this. I, I legitimately do not know the last time this many brands dropped some type of product, and it was across the entirety of the price range spectrum. Which I thought was very interesting. Now we're going to focus on a few different things that are kind of more mainstream in this episode, but there were so many things that were dropped that are just like, whoa, this is this is a lot. This is a lot to remember and it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to certainly digest and 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 process for sure. Yeah, we also that makes us have to kind of pick and choose on the episode what we want to talk about. So we we exactly. do somewhat hone in on things that we find more relevant or a little more popular because people are going to want to talk more about those but even like i'll give you an example i got i got an email that i think Vare put out like an 800 swiss gmt that was pretty cool it's got like a i think you get it in like a green bezel or i can't remember if there's a couple of different colors i just kind of scanned the email real quick but it it's evocative of the similar similar to the seiko gmt but yeah, you're getting yeah, a, swiss, yeah. a swiss gmt in this case so again you're it's under a grand it's it's a decent price for a gmt watch and it looks good so you know i mean again i'm still pretty uh pretty curious about their watches on the on the affordable end but i I really i've only ever handled them a couple times at wind up and that's it yeah i'm 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 kind of liking this g7 tactical 39 millimeter swiss gmt yeah that's uh it's kind of sick for 824 dollars that's what i'm saying you could do worse right yeah you could do worse. You could do Mechanical, worse. Swiss made. Kind of this military aesthetic. I kind of like it. 20 mil lugs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see you, Bear. I see you. Yeah. We've been talking about you for a while. Maybe it's time we get hands on with them. So there you go. But uh, I guess we'll we'll hop into the uh, the fancy stuff now. So. I guess we'll start with Zenith. They kind of <laughs> let off. They came, they came up guns blazing, right? See, for real, though. They basically dropped like half half their stuff of the year, it feels like. <laughs> uh, we got a whole bunch of new Defies. So they're they're really running with that line. Um, Defy Skeleton 41. It's a 41 millimeter high frequency movement, 60 hour power reserve, 100 meters. And it's got a one tenth second small second at six yeah kind of weird it, it's, it's not a cool. chronograph i mean <laughs> it's cool there's there's legitimately no reason for it to be 
an El Primero movement. Like it's just yeah. completely stupid. But I mean, you know, from a from a design aspect, it's cool. I don't think it's cool enough that they killed the older Defy like the older Defy collection to replace it with this. If you ask me, right? Because that watch was pretty popular last year and the year before when it came out. I thought so. And a lot of people liked it because it again, it was an integrated bracelet. It was a cool movement. It was very different, you know, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, it's gone. And everyone was like, why? This is like a big seller. And we covered it, I believe, at one point last yeah, year. Yeah, we did. Um, so to me, although this is cool, it's it's purely novelty. Like, who needs a tenth of a second for a non-chronograph watch? Is it technically impressive? Sure. Is it functional for your daily life? Absolutely not. In, in no way, shape, or form. It's not functional at all. So I don't know what you're measuring in your life that you need your second hand to represent a tenth of a second. Not it's sure. Just, it's just dumb. The other thing, overall, the watch is pretty clean, pretty good. The dial is being skeletonized that much. Always bothers me a little bit. Yep. You know, again, I do use my watch this hell time. I do like to be able to locate the hands rather quickly if I'm driving or if I'm, you know, glancing on the move, chasing the kids, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying I don't have the time to check my watch, but I like to be able to just flick it and at a glance, super legible, nail it and just keep moving, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say that this one is probably a little bit easier to read than some, some of the, the concept Zenits that they did in the past. Where like, oh, yeah. The other they ones had the, like the silicon oscillators and stuff. And yes. like, it literally gave me like motion sickness. I know. So this is not quite that. You obviously do have a fully defined chapter ring. You have hour markers, things like that. So there is some some level of definition here that you can see. But, you know, that said, that, that there's always going to be inherently less legibility. Yeah. And, you know, when you get to this type of aesthetic, it's purely for the shock and awe value. There's really no functional element to it whatsoever. It's purely shock and awe, visual interest. Somebody's going to ask you, hey, what are you wearing? Oh, it's a Zenith. This, 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 and this, right? It's kind of the idea. Um, again, this watch is purely just novelty for me, not only because of the dial and the way it's constructed, but because of the complication. It's completely useless. So I think it's cool from like a, hey, this is a weird watch in my collection standpoint. But this this is not a watch I'm I'm running anywhere to to try to see or to try to buy. Yeah, I think overall, I think I like it. I don't I don't know if I love it. I think I like it. I, I would say I like the idea of it. Okay, I like the idea of it. I'm not gonna own it. If somebody handed it to me, I'd be like, oh, it's cool, you know. But I'm not gonna be like, oh, this is the this. greatest watch ever made. Because I even I saw some live photos of I'm sorry, not photos, but video. And you're seeing the tenth of a second hand. It's like just whizzing around, yeah. It doesn't even whiz. It's like jumping, you know. It moves so fast. It's like staggering. And again, it, for a time only watch, it is completely stupid. <laughs> like, it, like I don't get it. It's almost as if Zenith was like, "Hey, we're just gonna slap El Primero on it because we can't." And to me, that's just this is dumb. 
you know again nothing against the design of the watch it's cool whatever but it's completely impractical so another watch they dropped not sure the practicality on this one either but this one comes in at a honking 45 millimeters it is the extreme glacier yeah. <laughs> it's 200 millimeter uh 200 meters sorry and it's got a 100th chronograph 100 yeah second. 100th of a second yeah now so, this one it, it's a bit of a flex watch it's only 50 pieces yeah it's 26 grand uh you know it's, it's made out it's got pushers and bezel protector made out of gemstone you know it's a chalcedony for those who are counting um and i think the dial is made of frosted sapphire so this is a bit of a flex for for zenith and i get it yeah. you know you, yeah. you put out something like this and it's still probably more, more accessible than like a daytona somehow because i don't know how who's running out to grab one of these but look i will say this in contrast to what we just talked about with the defy skyline skeleton this to me at least makes from an extreme esoteric standpoint it still makes sense you know this is really a flex watch, not only in its size and its material craftsmanship, but it's a huge flex in actually what the movement is. So according to the breakdown for this, you have essentially two movements, which right? is crazy, which is insane. I don't know how you have two movements that run simultaneously together, but you do. So you have a normal movement that's going to be basically for your regular timekeeping. And then in order to measure that one hundredth of a second threshold, there's a secondary movement that beats at 50 hertz. Okay? That is insane. That's wild. Okay? That is insane. That is such high levels of, of ridiculousness that it's like, it, it's not even, it's, it's unheard of. So it's no, it's no question why they call it the Defy Extreme because it literally is pushing the movement to its absolute extremes. So uh, Revolution covered this, and they basically said that the 50 hertz uh, movement beats at 10 times the rate of the standard movement's oscillator. So that tells you that basically that's a 5 hertz movement, and this version is beating at 10 times that, which is 50 hertz. Wow. That is insane. Okay. Now, what does that mean for long-term reliability or functionality of this timepiece if you're constantly using the chronograph i can't imagine your service intervals are going to be very long <laughs> but you know or it's cheap kind of, or cheap yeah exactly but it's kind of a novelty piece in, in in and of itself but this to me especially given the price point you know it's it's around what twenty six thousand swiss yeah. francs i think it's like 25.9 or something like that whatever the conversion rate is but you know for this same amount of money you could be trying to chase down a 50 millimeter RLX titanium deep sea challenge, ultra deep sea, whatever crap that they're calling this watch. I would much rather buy this Me too. because one, it's probably a lot more wearable Two, it's an incredibly limited production type piece. Three, it's got an impressive complication that I don't really know of anybody really doing. And it makes sense to kind of be, you know, Zenith on this because this is kind of their DNA It's making you know, ultra high beat, you know, frequency chronographs, which a hundred of a second is not a small feat by any stretch. Nope. Um, so this is cool. So for that same type of money, is it going to have the same resellability? No, not, a, not in any way, shape or form. But if I'm looking for something that is truly a, a clout or flex piece that is 
really something different, this is what I would go for. for I can sure. appreciate that. For I can sure. appreciate that. It's it's definitely a flex piece. Oh, 100. I mean, I don't even know what Chalcedony is, but cool. It's like a <laughs> blue stone, all right? They're like, yeah, well, let's make a watch out of that and titanium, and then we'll do 100 of a 100 of a second chronograph, and then we'll use two movements because we won't have enough power on the main movement to power the 100th of a chronograph. So we're going to have to increase the hertz range. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. But it's ludicrous, in, in my opinion, in the most ridiculous way possible. That's also the best way possible. It's just yeah. kind of like, why not just take a couple darts, throw them at the wall and see what sticks. And like, that's how we're going to build this watch. This is the epitome of bells and whistles. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense, but we're going to make it make sense anyway. And lastly for them, they revamped sort of their standard skyline. I know last year we got one with a, a small running second on it. In this case, they have shrunk it down to 36. So this is kind of evocative of what Breitling did with the chronomat. You're yeah. getting similar colors. You're getting a blue, a mint green, and of course, a pink. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Zenith. I've already I've already sent the, the DM. We'll see what happens. I'm not Zenith. crossing my fingers. I've had insanely good luck so far. I think this is where I fall flat, but I've already sent them a DM. <laughs> Zenith. Holler at your boys. Come on. <laughs> We're coming for you, Zenith. <laughs> so what, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm curious to know. So I from what I understand, I think you get a lower frequency movement. Yeah, it, it seems to be much more of a standard movement. I don't think it's a, I think it's a 28.8 movement. I think so. So you're just 50 getting hours, a, yeah. 100 meter water resistance. You're getting um, a pretty standard, you know, spec range. You know, I'd like to see this. I, I, again, I think they're, I think they're misstepping from all the ads I've seen. I've only seen these on women. Yeah. And I think they're kind of trending that way. And I think it's a mistake. I think a lot of people with smaller wrists would be into this. Yeah. Um, the price point is a little bit exclusive. It's 8,500 bucks. And I think a lot of people would say, Oof. I I don't know if I'm spending 8,500 bucks on this. I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but prices are just on the rise across the board. Yeah. 8,500 is still a little bit, it's a little bit high. <laughs> yeah, man. But what I, I'm, I'm getting. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I mean, this is a standard four hertz movement. It's nothing that's that's overly crazy. Um, it's obviously gonna have a simple power reserve, 50 hours, like you said. It's branded as the as the brand's elite 670 movement. It's probably a modified something, something, something if yeah. it's not an in-house movement, right? Which at this size, it, it probably is not. Um, however, that said, you know, it, aesthetically, they're nice looking watches. And I and I agree with you. I think a lot of the marketing campaigns have been featured predominantly with women, mm. which I think is a big mistake. I mean, we saw the same mistake happen with uh, with Breitling. Yep. When they did when they did launch their their new um, Super Ocean collection. It's like, guys, like there's dudes out there who would rock a 36. So like, why are you saying that this is a ladies watch or why are you only featuring it on ladies wrists? Because, you know, traditionally 36 would be a classic size. So I don't know. I mean, certainly something like the the green or the, the dark navy blue, like that's a very, you know, it's an androgynous color. It, right. it can be worn by anybody. So i think it's uh it's kind of a mistake to to lean into that direction but they did also give us another another version as well in a slightly larger case right? yes i think that's just sort of a a rehash of of the older skyline defy yeah yeah 
But this one, this one is uh, a boutique edition, no? Yes, it is a boutique boutique edition. So let's see here, fifty pieces, because you know that's not going to sell out very quickly. Hmm. Uh, but this version, as you kind of pointed out, bro, is kind of a nod to the previous discontinued Defy Skyline. Um, although it's a completely different color um uh, than the original because i think the original wasn't it blue it was blue right yes so i think you had like a blue dial or a black dial variation if i'm not mistaken but this one is kind of like a anthracite gray with a what looks like red gold or kind of like a copper tone accent um it's a small seconds this one again is a um uh i believe this one it's an El Primero movement, so it is going to be a little bit higher frequency. Power reserve sixty hours. El Primero thirty two sixty caliber. So nice, but not uh, not also inexpensive at eight thousand nine hundred. Yeah, and they also make gem set versions of those tiny ones at twelve thousand dollars for diamond. Oh, okay, peso. okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we're definitely not getting the gem set ones. So. No, no, hell no. <laughs> uh yeah. yeah. Now overall, I'll say I've had some experience with a DeFi. It was the first one, not the Skyline. The bracelet's amazing. It's super lightweight. The to- tolerances are super tight. There's no wiggle whatsoever. And the craftsmanship on the is finishing, right? Yeah, the finishing is beautiful. The craftsmanship is very, very nice. So while these do have a high price tag you're also getting the zenith name i'm not saying i'm down for an eight grand watch but i i understand that they charge a lot because they are proud of the product they put out yeah and, and it makes sense i mean look i'm looking at the photos and we've seen some of the other zenith models before you know their their midnight sunset and midnight borealis models that came yeah. out a few years ago um great looking pieces for sure they're beautiful you know zenith does a lot of great artisanal work and i don't think that they get a lot of credit for that but they certainly do i mean especially like the boutique edition like there's like little star cut motif replicated in a three-dimensional way into the dial over and over and over again yep. and it's the same pattern that you see on the other versions but this one has a two-tone effect so you have like a deep recess of like a copper tone or a red gold finish underneath and then you have the anthracite dial, so it gives you this three-dimensionality that you don't get on the other ones quite as much. And, uh, you know, it's it's a good-looking watch. Now, I'm with you. Am I, am I going to run out and spend that kind of money on something like this? I don't know. I would really, really, really have to want it. But just by looking at the photos, I mean, the bracelet finishing is fantastic. The fastening of it is is great. The ergonomics, I've heard nothing but great things about. So, you know, it's obviously something that's that's very important. Um, is it my choice? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But, I mean, let's face it. The El Primero is an all-time watch. Yeah. And, I mean, they've got a million renditions of it, but they're all pretty good. So... <laughs> You can't go wrong, right? No. You can't go wrong. No, El Primero, not at all. All right, sticking with the Swiss, we'll go Oris. Oris has a new big crown, pointer date, probably my favorite offering of theirs, 473, yep. referring to the movement. 
So you're getting yep. a 38 millimeter case, 12.7 thick, sort of the, the classic pointer date look. Uh, 50 meters water resistance, 473 caliber, 120 hour reserve hand wind movement. Yeah. It's a, uh, this is pretty cool. It's impressive. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It's pretty cool. And, and I'll say this for a very industrially finished movement, the movement's really beautiful. This caliber is very, very cool. It's, uh, I think the the watch is what 30, 30, 38 millimeters. 38, yep. 38 millimeters. So very wearable for a lot of different wrists, both men's and women's. Um, 120 hours. So it's a five day power reserve, manual wind, in house movement. I mean, great aesthetics. I love this kind of like light, you know, sky blue dial. Yeah. Very it's nice. not, it's not a Tiffany blue. It doesn't have those green tones to it. Uh, but it's a nice kind of sky blue on this dark brown leather strap. Looks very casual, but still could be dressed up if you want to. Um, but I really love the movement. I just think the aesthetics of it are very visually pleasing. Um, you got basically two major plates here for the actual top section of the movement. Uh, the third one being the actual balance bridge itself. But overall, very, very Spartan movement, very well designed. I love the power reserve indicator on the back of the movement as well. And, you know, it's a 120-hour, five-day power reserve in a 38-millimeter case. Um, Not to mention, let's talk, anti-magnetic and 10-year warranty. Warranty, yep, yep. So, I mean, you got you to gotta give credit where credit's due. This is a very cool watch. And if you are out there listening and have been on the fence about Auras and kind of where their direction is going, let this be, let's, let this be your guiding light. You know, the caliber 400 and subsequently the, you know, the 400 variants, which this is certainly one of, um, that have been coming out in the last couple of years, they're there for a reason. This is catapulting Auras to a next level of ownership with regards to its offerings. Um, with regards to its brand, and it's, it makes sense. They're getting more expensive, but they're doing the right things. They're investing in movement technology, and they're, they're investing in, in, in making watches more accurate, more reliable, you know, better overall, power reserves, things like that, anti-magnetic protection, warranties are extended. Uh, it's, it's all good things for the consumer in the end. So, um, And especially when you get to take the watch off and flip it over and look at this movement, I think you're winning. Yeah, I mean, 4400 bucks. they're kind of, I guess, you know what it is? They're trying to occupy that space that Tudor's vacating, basically. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Right? I mean, they're moving all the specs in that direction, and you also get a pretty neat leather strap at this point. I think they're trying to move towards this sourceable, uh, sustainable leather. Yeah. I think this is I mean, deer leather, but it looks it looks very nice. Yeah, and keep in mind, this is kind of an Oris' ethos, right? Yeah, sustainability. Yeah, it's all about sustainability, which over the last couple of years has really been a big staple for their for their brand's DNA. So it's nice to see that they're holding true to that, even in something that's not a diver's model or something like something as simple as a strap, right? Making it making sure it's ethically sourced or sustainably sourced is is very important. And I think that that's very cool. And I really like the the look of the strap. It's got a nice thick profile to it in terms of the padding. It's got a nice kind of vintagey distress. It looks almost like a worn like leather bomber jacket. Yes. Which I think is, there's nothing. There's never a time where that doesn't look cool. So I just think it's a very well put together watch, being it very simple but very cool. And price one is is a positive reflection of of what it is. Yeah. Again, my only thing is I do like the older pointer better, but 
<laughs> yeah, splitting yeah, with hairs. the cathedral hands and yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yes. splitting hands there, but yeah, I'm just yeah, partial yeah. to that. I know, I know. We can't, we can't <laughs> all. You can't win. win them all. That's what it is. Yeah, you can't all win. <laughs> uh, all right, Tag Hoyer. Right, we, we we talk about them a lot. We talk about them, what direction they're trending in, how they're moving, a lot of new stuff they've been putting out. They're kind of trying to adjust the brand image a little. It feels like um, last year we got the Solar Graph, which was kind of a neat watch it had sort yes. of a composite case it was I, be, I believe there was loom mixed into the case no yeah so it was like a black pvd case but the bezel itself had a composite material with luminous like strands or fibers i remember like, that in yeah. the co- composite material so i remember we when we talked about this i was in love with it because i was yes. just like this is so funky it's cool i would not own anything like this and then here's this guy which is also a solar graph, but it's in matte titanium, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. But to me, you neutered all the cool attributes of the previous solar graph in this version. I just, it's just a titanium quartz watch. Yeah, I agree. And you, they're still giving you that sort of sky blue secondhand and text, but you're missing sort of the integration that was in the bezel that kind of made it neat to begin with. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. It's very sterile. It look, man, it, it's very simple. We talked about this at length before. Titanium great. has had a movement. Uh, that has had, has that had is a true. Awesome. Titanium so is hot. It's like the solar graph came out. Black watches were having a moment. Titanium is, has, has really been on, on people's minds right now. Titanium is having a moment. We've touched on this before. So I think this is kind of offering both of those attributes to to tag clients. I just think that the solar graph was funky enough in its previous iteration that made it cool. Like I'm not a person that's going to run out and, and and buy, you know, a lot of quartz Swiss watches at three thousand because it's not me. <laughs> but the solar graph was cool because it had something that was different enough that I would be like, you know what? Let me go buy essentially an eco drive version tag uh, with a cool bezel and 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 you know matted out case and, and rubber strap. I think like that was different enough. But now this titanium version, although it looks good, it's nice. It's just not revolutionary to me to want to own it. No, it's very sterile for me. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Somebody's gonna get it. Somebody's gonna enjoy wearing it. It's gonna be a nice watch. It's just nothing uh revolutionary nothing right home about yep yep this one however is something we talked about previously right tag has been doing a lot of color iterations of this watch uh the carrera a chronograph i know you and i are both very fond of yep has a 60th anniversary edition this time with a panda motif yeah which i'm a big fan of I got to yeah. say, this one looks rather good. It's in the 39 millimeter case. It's not one of those 44 millimeter Carreras. You're getting your 80 hour power reserve, 100 meter water resistance. In you know, these movement. watches aren't cheap. They come in around 7,400 bucks, 600 piece limited. So you're going to have to fight for this one. But it's good. It's it's very good. This is evocative of the tag that I love. This is mm-hmm. exactly what I want from them. Like, just keep putting out this and I would be perfectly happy. Yeah, this is this is classic Hoyer. That's what this is. Right, it's Hoyer. Now, it's now I will say this. I watched a Time and Tide video about kind of hands-on with this watch. I still like the original better. 
Understand. I mean, I mean, just like watching the comparison, the profile, the you know, the overall everything about this watch, I would have preferred if I had my pick, I would have preferred the tag lower the thickness of this watch and opt for a manual wind movement in this Carrera. I'd be down for that. Especially because it's a big anniversary for the movement, right? It's a big anniversary for the watch. Nobody would have cared if they had went to a manual one. No, not it's at already all. going to be a very desirable watch anyway. Um, but I think, you know, they made some concessions that make it a little bit more, maybe more attractive to the market. They went with an automatic movement, which was a fine move. It's not going to be an unwearable watch by any means. But I think the really cherry on the top here, you know, icing on the cake, if you will, would have been a manual one movement to really bring it into that vintage feel. You know, I think that would have been perfect. But, you know, between you and I, this is my favorite iteration of the Carrera that has ever existed. I love the tri-compact sub-dials. I love the panded look with the silver dial. This is one that we talked about before at, at the uh, at, on our podcast, I think, last year, that we would love to see come back. Yeah, you know, This exact verb. <laughs> yeah, and again, it would be permanent, but... Again, tag has to has to pay to you know play to the collectors here. You can't have something this 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 iconic be be a permanent part of your collection. Um, at least maybe that's how they think. I think that that's wrong. You know, the Speedmaster is a very iconic and collectible watch, and yet Omega keeps pumping those out at you know normal retail value and sells them every single day. This, if it was in the Carrera collection consistently, I think would be a, the number one seller for for. Tech. I was going to say, I think Period. they'd have a hard time stocking them, to be honest. Period. Period. So I don't know what the aversion is to making something like this truly uh, truly available. Managing the expectations of your clients, delivering them, and and keeping them in the collection. I mean, crap, they do this with the... With the uh, um, oh, gosh. What is that watch? I'm totally blanking on it. Monaco? Yes, thank you. The Monaco. Okay. Like they do this with the Monaco. Like it's an iconic legendary chronograph. But it's not going to have the same sell through as something like this. Right. So why would you limit yourself in sell through by not making this available and selling it to every Tom Dick and Harry on the planet? I agree. So, I, agree. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this uh maybe he's 28 years old now, but maybe you know, I don't know what he's doing. But it's like but you said, the speedmaster available. Speedmaster, regular production model. El Primero, regular production model. Daytona is kind of a special case, but why not, right? This would just round it out. Yeah. Same concepts as all the other three, but. And and again, any collector would be jumping, chomping at the bit to own something as legendary as this watch. Myself included. You know, like when you think about some of the greatest, most iconic chronographs of all time, there's you named them all, right? Yeah. Moonwatch, you have the Carrera, you have the Daytona, right? Monaco, like all of these things are very iconic chronographs, period. Like if if you gave a child a crayon and asked him to draw you a watch with a chronograph feature, it's probably going to look like one of those watches Yeah, in some ways, right? It's just intrinsic in its design. The fact that this is not available in a regular production watch that any person can purchase. It's ludicrous. It's a travesty. It's literally a crime against humanity. You know, because I look at the Carreras that they sell and, okay, it riffs on the style, but it's not the Carrera. Not to me. Yeah, and 
realistically, if this was regular production, you have the Speedmaster and the El Primero ballpark, roughly similar price points. Yeah. Why could you not take a chunk out of those sales with this watch? You absolutely could. Absolutely. And there's enough market to go around to support it. Certainly. You know? But, you know, like when you think about it, the, the Moonwatch has a very specific look. Yes. Right? The El Primero has a very specific look. This one, not that it's not its own iconic look, but it's very classic. It's very clean, tri-compacts. Yes. This is what a lot of people who I think maybe are, even if they're not such big enthusiasts, when they think chronograph, this is what they're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just it's just clean lines. And who doesn't simple, love Panda? Come on. Simple you know, design aesthetics. And, you know, of, of all chronographs, this to me is one of the dressiest representations of a chronograph, especially the most iconic ones in the world. Right. You that think too. about a Daytona, you think about it as a Speedy Pro, you know, those are those are very, um, very sporty. Yes. In their There's design, a lot going on. Right. And and not that they can't be worn dressy. There's just they were built for a different purpose. So they inherently are more sporty for whatever reason. The Carrera was just a wild, a well-built watch that retained a very distinctive elegance about it. It felt black tie, even though it wasn't black tie. I agree. You know what I mean? And that's why, to me, it has always baffled my mind that this particular timepiece has not been readily available from Tag. Like, how just do you do have it. just how do, do you it. have how do you have that extensive <laughs> of a back catalog, and you just don't utilize it ever? You know, seems like a missed opportunity. It, it, like I said, at this point, it's not a missed opportunity. It's a travesty. It's a crime against humanity that this is what we we get Carreras in spurts in batches you know, 500 of piece yeah. limited edition. Like, come on, like, stop teasing me. Just give me what I want. I Just give us a black dial silver panda and a silver dial black panda. And let's go. And let's like, do it. Let's do it. Make it. Make it 39 or make it 38, make it manual wind, and let's do this for real. Now, the one thing I will say this, uh, overall, you know, I love the watch as you do too. I wish it was more readily available. I guess historically tag or, or I should say Hoyer. Yeah. Um, they do their buckles backwards. We talked about this before. Yes, we did. And I thought it was just kind of like a weird outlier thing. It's like, no, like this is like a historical thing. I saw some more press photos of this with, with the pin buckle that this comes on. It's like a rally style strap with pin buckle and it's also backwards. So when you rotate your wrist, you don't see your logo or the beautiful words Hoyer oriented in a way that you can read them. They're upside down. So the person who's standing away from you can read your strap. I'm like, that is dumb. I didn't buy the watch for somebody else. I bought it for myself. I want to know what the hell I'm getting. Yeah, I'd be curious to know the the impetus behind that one. Somebody probably just jacked it up. <laughs> That's probably what happened in history. And it just became so, a thing. <laughs> yeah, some some kid probably put it on backwards, and then there you go. It just became a thing. Uh, lastly, from Tag, funny enough, we talked about this one last week when we were talking about a different watch with a similar case shape and look. We have a Monza. Yay. Right? A Monza. It's a it's a super interesting watch. So 42 millimeters, 
Um, it's got a nine o'clock date, six o'clock running second, three o'clock, 30 me, uh, 30 minute interval. Um, it's DLC titanium. It's fully skeletonized and it's got that kind of barrel case shape. And the, the is case it, is, is it DLC? I, I thought believe it was it's carbon. I believe it's DLC titanium is what it said. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, that might be referring only to like the uh, might just be the pieces because it looks. I'll be honest, it looks like forged carbon. Yeah, it, this this to me has got to be a carbon material because um, it, it just has too many aggressive striations for it to not to be. So I would imagine that maybe the DLC titanium would it might be, just be the pushers or something. Pushers or the, and crown, the crown. And the case back. Because That's I agree, that the, like the texturing me. the texturing certainly looks carbon. Yeah, it's it's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, unless they're using some fancy texturing, I don't know about. But no, I would imagine it's it's just a traditional forged carbon or or carbon printing or whatever. And the DLC titanium is going to be in the pushers and the crown. Well, the crown actually has the same motif, so I'm assuming it's just the pushers and the uh, the case back. Case back. Interesting. Very. And probably the buckle too. Yeah, most likely. Uh, but yeah, cool chronograph, kind of funky, kind of neat out there. Certainly interesting color pattern. <laughs> and and there's only one reference, right? I believe. Okay. The reason why is because in every photo, the two sub dials are, look a different color. So this is a like a flyback chronograph. You have the 30-minute totalizer, and then you have oh, what I'm assuming is a running seconds at 6 o'clock. Yep. They have what looks like almost like an iridescent like shine to them. Because when you're looking at some photos, it looks almost like a red orange in the subdial picture. But then others it looks like a purple or a blue. Yeah, that's what I'm and getting. Others it's like a gold to black type color. So it's gotta have some type of translucence properties or some type of iridescent properties that uh, that allows it to kind of transition, if you will. Yeah, interesting watch overall, but not cheap. Thirteen thousand eight hundred fifty USD. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a carbon case. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a I lot mean, packed in here. It is a chronometer spec movement. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It kind of should be at that price point. Yeah, certainly. Um, but I like it. the The date window is actually loomed too, which is cool. I haven't seen too many watches where the the dates are loomed, so that's a nice nice touch. Um, it's certainly a badass watch. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. If somebody gave it to me, I would happily wear it. I think it's very cool. It's not a watch that I would run out and buy as like my first watch. It's certainly like a more of a novelty type situation. Like if you're really hardcore into like racing or automotive or something like that, you want very distinctive looks. Um, this is this is certainly a watch for that. I love the fact that you know on all the Monzas, there's always a double scale for the Chrono. So you have like the regular tacky scale, but you'll also have the pulsometer scale pulsometer, as well, yeah. which is cool. Um, basically, all the Monzas have had that, so that's kind of cool. But it's awesome. I mean, I like it. You know, there's uh, it's it's certainly not a watch I would have expected, to say the least. But I don't hate it. No, it's it's definitely an interesting wrinkle. And they also came out with a bunch of connecteds that are, uh, you know. We're not going to talk about that. Nah, Any more to. Marios? 
No, no, I'm seeing a golf edition. I'm seeing Boo. a black titanium <laughs> Boo. and a sport chronograph looking edition, but yeah, no, okay. no, no, uh, no Nintendo characters. So dang it. You know, I'll let you know when they I'm, drop the donkey. I'm Kong ready country. for the Wario. I want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> the Wario edition. Uh, That's what I want. All right. On to some watches that I'm pretty fond of. Uh, Grand Seiko dropped two limited editions, uh, both 37 millimeter cases, 100 meter, 19 mil lugs, in case you already got one and are trying to look for straps. Uh, one is a high beat, <laughs> one is not, and the prices do reflect that. So, this is the SBGH311. It is a high beat movement, it is sort of almost an extension of it, looks like the seasons line. Uh, these two are uh, centered around Mount Iwate, and aren't they all? Yeah, no. This is you know I just I like to give the uh, the cultural background of them. Aren't they all? It's always yeah. Mount Iwate. It's like so all the are, sides of the moons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> these are both twelve hundred piece limited editions, and um, so this one has a cloud dial. It's supposed to be evocative of the clouds, I guess, looking down from the top, and you see almost like a sea of clouds. And it's made okay, the dial's made sense. through electroforming, which I'm sure you know about. I don't know what the hell that is. Well, <laughs> uh, let's see here. I have no idea what that is, but anyway, it's got a blue yeah. second hand, and it's it's basically just like a puffy cloud dial. Yeah, yeah. and it's so got is- a gold. Uh, sorry, the the GS is gold to signify the 25th anniversary of the high beat movement. I gotcha. So uh, electroforming processes, um, it can do a couple different things. It can be just like a like electrolysis pro- process to to coat the the dial itself. That's what it sounded like to me when I heard electroforming. I thought electrolysis. But there's also electro um, electroforming that can actually build microstructures. That's probably so. So what that can do is it can create different layers of three dimensionality on something that's very small and very you know. Uh, needs a lot of detail. So that's probably more so what it is, um, but it allows you to create basically microstructures. So I would imagine as you see this watch in person, you'll be able to see kind of the more brighter white portions and then almost like this stenciled out or, or kind of darker version uh, uh, of the you know terrain or whatever through the clouds, you know, as you as you look at it. And and I don't know if each one of these dials is going to be exactly the same. Probably not. I would assume. Um, but you know, you don't know. That's how they roll. So, <laughs> who knows? But uh, yeah, the electrolysis process could apply to the type of coating that's used for the dial, or it could actually be something that is is used to create microstructure to create dimensionality, which is probably what we're we're talking about here. Yeah, they're very into the three-dimensionality and texture, so I'm assuming that's what it is. I mean, yeah, this for me is a pretty cool watch. I do wish at times that my spring was a little smaller, and this 37-millimeter case is cool. However, I don't know if you can house a spring drive down mm. at this level. I, I don't I don't really know about the size of the movements that much, but uh, you know, for me, a pretty cool watch, 6600 bucks. Again, prices are on the rise. This is no different. They're kind of keeping up with the Joneses here. However, the other one, which is not a high beat movement, the SBGR 325, comes in at 5,300. It's got a radially brushed ice blue dial, 
Blue's secondhand. Uh, you're more of a fan of this one, yeah, personally. And this one evokes the clear sky visible from the top of Mount Iwate. <laughs> yeah, Mount Iwate, dude. I, uh, I just love reading that stuff. It's so I know, funny. I know. It's, it's always, very it's cliche, always, but I just it's get always how out. they introduce it. Which is, it's fine. It's their thing. It's, it's their stick now. You know, they're just tied to it. They're tied it, to it now. They can't get away. Yeah, it's it's. Maybe you should make that a meme one day. Just like. Well, I had the one, the one Paulie from Sopranos. Ain't no way there's this many seasons in Japan. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, you know, in, in looking at the dial a little bit closer up, I guess I didn't realize how, how much more detail there is than I thought. Um, so it does look pretty cool. I mean, the the first one that we talked about, the, uh, the SBG H311 is not my personal favorite, but I could see why it's appealing. Um, for me, I just feel like there's too many white... Grand Seiko's out there, and the Snowflake is the classic, and it's yeah, hard to beat that it's, as it is. It's Snowflake, the Birch, you know, like there's yep. so many different versions um, that it's kind of like ah, it's Dude, another that, white dial. That Black Birch you know? is kind of tickling my pickle. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I know, but there you go. It's another freaking thing. It's just a different color. It's like eight grand. That is my something. biggest. That is my biggest stick with Grand Seiko. It's like it's the same watch, just a different. Well, that's their that's their tie to the tie to Little Brother. You know, they they give yeah, you yeah, yeah. lots of varieties. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. But for me, the the other version, the SBGR three twenty five, I just like it. It's cool. Um, you know, that ice blue is certainly that's uh, so, certainly something that's very it's posh, you know, posh for sure. Um, but it's you know, it's, it's a great unisex watch. Like my my wife has a Speedmaster with the ice blue dial as well. It looks very very nice and fetching. I just think this is a cool colorway, especially with the dark blue. If I was going to get a Grand Seiko, this would kind of be what I think I would pick just because I don't want to have the Grand Seiko like everybody else. I don't want a white birch. I don't want a, a, um, a snowflake. It's like everyone has those damn watches. Yep. You know, like give me something just a little different. Yeah, and they've sort of been giving you that with these. I don't know if you saw, if you remember, they, they had a few other smaller limited drops that had similar dials to this. It was like a sort of mossy green and a few different green tones yeah, and then yeah, a couple yeah. like aqua tones. So they've been kind of getting into this. But again, we're seeing, if you notice the entire list of watches here, a lot of the soft color palette and it's just here and it's, I'm a, I'm for it. I like the pastel colors. I mean, I, I don't think anybody does them too aggressively. So they're, they're pretty subtle. They're a little bit um, faded out and muted. So yeah. they look pretty good to me and you can get away with them and they still look classy as opposed to like gaudy. Or like yeah, yeah, too yeah. playful, like the, obviously like the moon swatch is supposed to be super playful, right? It's really bright, but it's it's a playful watch. You don't mm. necessarily want that in something like this. So you tone it down a little bit and you dial it back, even though you give the cool color. So I can appreciate that from that standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100%. As long as it's not a white lion. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that watch is just absolutely hideous. But again, for you folks out there, 19, 19 millimeter lugs. That's what 19 they millimeter it's, lugs. it's what we're getting nowadays. You're getting a lot of 21s and 19s. Kind of kind of weird, right? Yeah. Although hey, real, we... real quick, on, yeah. on a completely separate tangent, I'm just kind of like browsing the Grand Seiko website. Are you familiar with the SPG J217? Uh, I don't know. It's all a, it's a high, beat, high beat GMT on strap. SBGJ217. I felt like this was kind of like a version of like 
the Houdinki GMT. Yeah, this looks this looks similar to the the one that a lot of people have with the cream dial. Yeah, but it's different, right? It's this definitely different. Same. This it's is a silver silvery dial. It looks like for starters, or like a almost like a gray champagneish. But um, but, but I yeah, feel like also the numbers are kind of are they? Yeah, the back numbers more? are different. The, I want to say I'm not even sure if that GMT hand is the same, but yeah, it's it. This is a, one I'm not that familiar with i don't I, I don't think i've seen it very often but it's it is very evocative of that 38 millimeter cream dial that almost everybody who has a grand seiko has yeah okay i i just I, I saw it and i was like i know i've seen that but when i clicked on it i was like i know i haven't seen that like that exact thing so i it, i'm looking at another version of the gmt and it looks like maybe some of the other markers were like more on the internal portion of the dial. I was going to say that, this one looks like they're kind of pulled back a little bit and the, and the GMT hand looks like it's longer and skinnier. Yes. So it is a, it is a different GMT hand. The other one has the GMT scale on the inside of the indices. Yep. This yep. one has it in between yep. the indices. I think I like this one better. It's kind of cleaner. It is. The other one's a little more like stout looking like everything yeah. is a little more like pudgy. As far as the hands and the yeah, yeah 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 the combination of the numbers and everything, yeah this is nice. I like it. Yeah, that's that's one funny thing about them. I've found so many references at random on their site, and I'm like, who the hell knew this even existed? Uh, and that's the thing is like I never I've never even seen it. You know, like I've never even seen it amongst all the GMTs that they make because it, you know, that's one thing that Seiko, does, Grand Seiko does. They make GMTs yeah, out of the wazoo. Out. They crank them out, man. Um, but yeah, I was like, I've I've never seen that other one, so it's kind of a uh, kind of interesting, but very 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 cool. Okay, right. okay, moving along. Here's where we hit the comic relief section of the evening. <laughs> Frank I, I still, Mueller. I'm still so cringe on this. Frank one. Mueller, this is a cringe watch. We're just going to lead it off with that. Frank Mueller put out a streetwear collab with the brand. Uh, I don't even think I could say the name on here. We're just going to call it Freaking Rabbits. Yeah. And the first word is exactly what you think it is. Yes. And they lean into it. Yeah. Okay. So, so apparently, this is like a, a hypewear or streetwear brand. Uh, I don't know of anybody that owns this hypewear brand, but apparently it's a big thing. I think it's in Southeast Asia and Australia because that's where this release is. Okay. All right. So there you go. So it's it's not something that I'm too familiar with, um, but basically it's a collaboration between Frank Miller and, and this particular clothier. And it's... I mean, we talked about the uh, the the hentai watch a few episodes back. It's just this one's quite. This is not quite as bad, I don't think, but it's just kind of weird. You know, it's like very, very like. I don't know. It's, it's two rabbits. One's one's taking the other rabbit from behind, which is very weird it's on your dial it's also fully loomed so like that's what glows in the dark on your so watch. when you're at the strip club everybody knows you're a creep already yeah i don't so the bouncer can find you and toss you before you put your hands on people yeah i mean this is this is part of the the, the vanguard series for for frank muller so basically it's kind of like a, a richard mill light yes just in aesthetic really not in technological achievement or design um but 
there you go. It's it's a brand freaking rabbits and Frank Mueller out of Geneva. And I hate that we even have to cover this. Yeah, it's but just, I saw it. I saw it. And I was so out there. I said, how could we not? I know you texted me. You texted me when I was getting ready to board my airplane for work this past week. And I was just like, I hate you so much. Like, why? Why is this on my screen? Thank God you don't have my work phone, right? I end up at HR. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why is why is this a thing? So this is this is a glass and carbon composite case, is what it says. Okay, all right. And it's an 800 I'm, piece I'm, limited I, I feel edition. Sad that you read that deep into it. 800 piece limited edition at well, this is what I was looking for. Thirteen thousand dollar price tag oh for two God. rabbits shagging on your dial at seven o'clock. Well, seven and eight technically. Yeah, baby. And on top of that, if you're one of those people who love awkward date cutouts, the six o'clock is basically chopped into <laughs> one third by the circular date. Oh, oh my gosh. And then the this is like I'm seeing a photo of the loom and like the loom on the hand is like, OK. And then the loom on the rabbit is the like rabbit. explosive. It's just like we don't really care about reading the time. On this watch, all we care about is the two rabbits doing it in doggy style. Strange. It's very strange. Just strange. <sighs> I'm going to file this one under not needed. <laughs> I'm going to file this one <laughs> to erase and purge from my memory forever. Pour acid into my eyeballs so I never have to view this thing again. If it's this, so ridiculous. If this was at Watches and Wonders, this would have been under blunders. Oh my God! Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if we have watches and blunders point two this yeah. year. Uh, aside from that, uh, Hublot put out a bunch of stuff, but uh, I guess in the relevance category, I, I I don't think we have to touch on any of that. If I could be real, so I saw a you bunch mean, of gem you mean, set. You mean Hublot is that relevant to us? I don't know. You know, there's there's a market for them. I guess I I hear. I guess it's in Miami, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of gem set and then a lot of stuff that looks like things they already have. Yeah. I don't think, I, don't, I think we could skip. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was just joking with you. I literally have zero interest in looking at any more big bangs. Although I will say the full lime green Sapphire big bang that they did. It's like, did you see that one? Yeah. That was probably like the only one I would actually like think is cool just because it's so in your face. Yeah, it'll match your Lamborghini really nice. You know, that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's not an easy color to replicate into, you know, like a, you know, a unique crystal material. And, and every year they come out with a new colorway, right? Like they did, before like a dark emerald green they've done like the the purpley pink the blue but this like highlighter yellow like mellow yellow soda color green like that limey green is is very cool yeah i'm with you that you know they don't put out not everything they put out is garbage i just you know i think they've it's a combination of they become a butt of a lot of jokes and yeah it's just a lot of the same, and I think people are just kind of lukewarm on them at this point. That's what it is. Well, and, and again, just for me, like, this is a cool watch in its idea of novelty, but, like, when do you wear it? 
Like, yeah. Do you show, do you show up to true. the Christmas party like wearing this thing? Like I don't like for me. That's the other thing. Like I always have to envision when the hell I'm gonna wear this watch, because to me that's the most important, right? Like, okay, I got this, you know, this vintage, you know, Omega Seamaster. Okay, oh, well, I'm not wearing it when it's raining outside. I'm gonna wear it during a cocktail party or you know a specialty event with friends, a wedding, something that's important. Okay, you wear it then. Like, when do you wear a lime, yellow, green, big bang? You wear this on somebody's yacht. But even still, like, it's just, can you jump in the water with it? Oh, I don't know. Again, <laughs> you not know sticking I mean? around like, to find out. It's, it's like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be too rational here, but it's just kind of like, uh, I, I, I should, I should know better. The people who buy those watches are not very rational people. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's big, and it bangs. Good. Good enough for me. Yeah. And then the sort of last bit of news of the week is prices on the rise sort of across the board. I mean, we've touched on it a little bit here already. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's news to people. I think it's kind of been the elephant in the room that everybody's kind of taken notice of. Every brand's doing it at this point. But notably... There was an article on Patella today that mentioned some of the bigger players, Omega, Tudor, Rolex. So Omega is getting a five to seven point, uh, sorry, five to seven percent price bump. Yikes. It's going to put the Speedmaster around 7,500 bucks. And that's the Hesalite? I guess it just said Speedmaster. I don't know if that's if that's anything bells and whistles or Sapphire or what, but. Because Sapphire, I think, is. 71 right now so maybe that's sapphire maybe that's sapphire then but still uh, that's you know what? it's just it's just a little sad because this the speedmaster has always been like that one that you're like yo i can get that yeah you know, but i mean now- the other thing but the other caveat to that is like the speedmaster has always been incredibly an undervalued watch like if it was sold by by rolex it would be twenty thousand dollars you know what I mean? Like for what it has done no doubt watches are watches that's the other part of it watches are being made better and so inclusive of inflation and all that other stuff, yeah. you're also paying for more product, which I get. Yeah. But you're also getting Tudor has a 9% bump. Yikes. Yeah. So that's going to put a lot of their watches or at least some of them up north of $4,000 RRP. Which for a lot of people is, I think, going to maybe adjust the, the bracket Right, everybody kind of always saw them as like the threes, the black bay threes. Oh, yeah. I think we're yeah, in the twos. Yeah. Like, I think you're, so, gonna, you're so not going to see that much anymore. What did you say? Which, uh, what did you say about the the Speedmaster again? What was so the keep price in mind point? that was in euro. Yeah, yeah. So what did they say? Seventy five hundred. Seventy five hundred. Okay, so if you take the so right now in USD, the the Sapphire is seventy two hundred. Okay. Okay. Sapphire Ombre is seventy two hundred. Um, Hesalite Ombre is sixty four hundred. Um, if you do kind of like a cursory five percent, yeah, because otherwise it would be it would it wouldn't it wouldn't match up to make the Hesalite seventy five hundred. So it's got to be the the Sapphire. It, it's got to be Sapphire. So if for just like a, a flat math, like five percent on that, you're looking at uh like seven thousand six hundred is kind of like the the breakdown. 7,000, it's like 7,560 or something like yeah. that. So, I mean, 
couple hundred dollars more, not horrible. I understand it, but from a consumer standpoint, I also hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's I'm not I'm not for or against this. I'm mostly against it, but I understand why it's necessary. Yeah, so five percent it would be three hundred and sixty bucks. So you add that to your seventy two hundred, you're getting seven thousand five sixty. Now keep in mind you're gonna be paying almost that for an explorer now. I think it was like seventy two and change. Disgusting. Which is wild. I hate that watch. And I hate it in thirty six. I will I will die on this freaking hill. So Rolex is getting an eight percent bump, which really doesn't matter because their prices are irrelevant anyway. <laughs> They're irrelevant anyway, and they already happened. Uh, that 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 thing hit just like as soon as the year started. It was like boom, all right, price increase. So uh, you know, it's it's something. I think a lot of us take it as a negative off the bat, and you're like, oh, prices increase, blah blah. But you are getting more watch for the buck for your buck nowadays. Obviously, the economies have been a little in flux. You know, the rates are changing, inflation's up. Although I guess recently it's been a little down because the market's been doing a little better. But <laughs> um for now. You know, yeah. So I guess it is what it is, but also I think it opens people up to exploring the value proposition of vintage watches, maybe. Yeah. Right. I know I know vintage speedmasters, you can still get at pretty reasonable prices. Yeah. As far as that goes. Um yeah, I you know, I think you can get them at least at comparable prices to newer watches. I mean, you're going to get less technology in a lot of places. You're going to get some watches with like divers with no screw down crowns and things or bi-directional bezels that are, you know, they're not true, true divers in the, in the sense of certification, but they're certainly divers. Like my old, my old Seiko has a push pull crown, but I think there's still value prop in, in vintage. I know it's been a little bit exposed in the past recent years, you, you've had a lot of uh, dealers, vintage dealers really come up and, and kind of shine a light on that. And and people have seen how cool vintage watches can be, myself included. Uh, but I yeah. think that's going to open up that avenue for a lot of people, seeing as maybe the newer stuff is just... Because I mean, you, you think when you buy newer watches, if you're buying from you know a, a dealer, you're going to have to pay tax, which always sucks. Right. I mean, you could always buy out yeah. of state, which is a neat little hack. In case you're wondering, if you buy out of state from a, a place that doesn't have tax, you don't pay tax. <laughs> but uh, well, as, as long as that as long as that place doesn't have representation in your respective state, that's the caveat. So, right. Like, OK. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like if you if you if you, you got to buy from like a mom and pop. Exactly. So like if you buy your watch from Watches of Switzerland in New York, but Watches of Switzerland has a presence in Dallas where you live, they because you know, they're shipping the watch. You still have to pay your state tax because there's a presence of watches of Switzerland in that respective state. Like that's, that's kind of the legal law. Now, if it was a mom and pop and you're buying it in New York city, shipping it to Dallas and they don't have a store, then it doesn't matter. You, you don't have to pay the sales tax. Right. So I'll, if I'm looking for something that's going to be a pain in the neck to get, as far as like a, a Seiko or something goes, I'll hit up right time in Colorado and yeah, Colorado, no, sale, yeah, no sales tax, that. mom and pop yeah. operation. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. That, that, that makes sense. It's a no-brainer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just a little little hack, little hack, a little like hack. It. But yeah, so I guess prices going up kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I you know you seeing a lot of these brands like I was talking about earlier, where Oris is moving up, Tudor's moving up, 
everybody's doing a little move up. Obviously, we've seen the Seikos go up in price with some respects because they're also developing the fives in the lower levels now. So, you know, I don't know. I think I think it's going to make people explore all the options. I think it's a, a golden opportunity for the micro brands to really make their mark and provide yeah. the true value that they, they can in some respects. And, uh, you know, I guess we're going to see how the, the landscape unfolds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be the true, the true test, the true test. That's yeah. for sure. But yeah, I guess that's, that's the news for the week. Ton of new releases and prices going up. <sighs> that it's hard out here for a whisk. It's hard out here for a whisk. Uh, yeah. Anything on your end there, Spit? That's it, buddy. I mean, we covered a lot. We've covered we a did. lot today. We did. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's it's good to see so many great things dropping so early. It's um, been an eventful year. It's been an eventful year already, which is crazy to think about. I think just everything just feels so much more accelerated in 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 uh, in the years after COVID. It's just kind of like everything just blurs together now, but. It's cool to to see that things are are expanding and things that are, are moving faster. It's unfortunate that some of our um, stuff that we love so much has to go up in price. But you know, again, it's one of those things where it makes sense, um, just given the landscape of, of of the environment that we live in. But you know, such is life. What are you gonna do? This means you got to save a little bit longer. Yeah, that's it. All right, I guess we can put a bow on this one. Episode 64, with She's Radio. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. Peace. Take care, guys.